Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. It's Wednesday, February the 21st, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. I was joined today by our political editor, Pat Lee, and political reporter, Sarah Barden, to discuss a number of the issues which have cropped up over the course of the last few days, prime among them the future of President Michael D. Higgins. Pat Lee, we have word from the park this morning. Uh, Michael D. has come to a decision. Yeah, V. Kelly is uh, reporting this morning that Michael D. has let it be known uh, that uh, to uh, some people in Leinster House and to some people that he expects to support him, by which I think we uh, can divine, uh, he means the Labour Party, that he will be standing again or that he ana- intends to announce his intention, though not, according to Feig's story, until July. Well, that cat is out of the bag now. And Do you think that's uh, deliberate? Uh, I I don't know. Um, I think that if he was letting people know, uh, then it was probably with at least some foresight that that might become more general knowledge. Uh, I don't think it would have been feasible for him to keep his intentions in pectore until uh, until July. That would effectively squeeze out anybody else who was contemplating. I mean, he'd already been criticised for sort of acting silly buggers over that. He had. He he said at the ploughing championships last year that by the time of this year's ploughing championships, uh, his intentions. Uh, would be known. Now, the ploughing championships take place in September. I think um, that would have been a bit much to uh, uh, to keep everybody guessing until then. There was some commentary at the time that suggested that this was part of a clever strategy to uh, to squeeze out anybody who might be contemplating to run against him. If so, it kind of backfired because there has been a procession of luminaries have come out since then and said that they either may, can, may run against him or that they intend to run against him, most publicly, uh, Senator Jared Crockwell. Um, anyway, between the jigs and the reels, he's out now. It looks like he will be getting a campaign together, a campaign to re-elect the president over the coming, uh, over uh, the coming uh, months. Uh, political uh, addicts will know that that, has a, that phrase has a certain residence. The commission to re-elect the president was Creep and Watergate in 1972. Has it indeed. Yes, look it up. Uh, uh, but, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I suppose the onus will now move to those who uh, who wish to run against um, the president to uh, to get their campaigns together. It's not that difficult to get a nomination to run for the presidency. 20 Eroctus members can, uh, uh, can nominate somebody to run for presidency. The incumbent president, Michael D., of course, can nominate himself. Um, which is one of the privileges uh, of his office. So uh, the game is, I guess, now afoot. And Sarah, what do you, what do you think of this? My impression was last year when he was um, 
made the statement at the ploughing championships was that he he wanted a second term, contrary to what, of course, he had said when he when he ran for a first term. Um, but he didn't really want an electoral contest uh, that he wanted, as you know, several of his predecessors have done, to being reappointed by popular acclamation from from the Oireachtas. Um, and maybe there might be a question of if it was to come to a contest, maybe he wouldn't be he wouldn't be up for that. But he seems to be up for that, given that it seems to be a reasonable possibility of that happening now. Yeah, um, well, he did a doorstep in at an uh, Irish embassy event in London about three weeks ago. And the Sunday Business Post carried a story where uh, they quoted him as saying. Um, almost, I suppose, letting the cat out of the bag with the quote that he gave, which was that uh, he could be preparing for a campaign himself when he was questioned about this. So I don't think it comes as any great surprise that Michael D wants to remain in Arsenutheron. Um, I think the question now is whether anybody will stand uh, up against him. So there's a couple of things. Remember, of course, that the Fianna Fáil Ardesh passed a motion saying that they wanted the party to run a candidate in the presidential election and there are plenty of people within the party who see themselves as a prime candidate for the position. For example? Uh, Mark Daly, who's the senator, has said that he would uh, like to run for sure president. Sure people know who Mark Daly is. He is a prominent figure in the Shannon. Uh, Eamon O'Keefe has also um, allegedly uh, been canvassing for support. Bertie Ahern is a, another person who has toyed with the idea. There was also some suggestion... These are names to conjure with and each in its own different way. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And there was also some suggestion over the weekend, although I think one of my colleagues tried to uh, tried to confirm it but wasn't able to, that Michael McDowell was uh, seeking Fianna Fáil support for a presidential run too. Uh, I think actually Jared Crockwell, whilst he is the most prominent figure to have come forward to contest against Michael D. Higgins, he will struggle to get the tw- the support of 20 members of the Oireachtas. As Pat says, it's quite easy. But actually, if you look at the uh, independents within the Dáil, the Independent Alliance have said that they would not support uh, Jared Crockwell. In fact, uh, John Halligan um, and Shane Ross have said that they would support Michael D.'s um, campaign, whilst Finian McGrath has said he would support a someone to contest Michael D but hasn't hasn't said who he would and of course we know that Sinn Féin would only be too delighted to have a presidential um, uh, someone in the presidential race so I, I mean like, they would would they? Absolutely. question now though um, I, I think will be Sinn Féin's attitude I, I have a slightly different view I think there, uh, than, than Sarah I think um, there will be an independent candidate either through the Oireachtas 20 members of the Oireachtas are through uh, the nomination of four local authorities. And I think... Just to say, I didn't think that, say that there was, wasn't going to be an independent candidate. I just said Jared Crockwell. It would be Jared Crockwell. I think that's, would, would that may not, may not be it. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that, that, that's perhaps But if it were to be another independent candidate, you're saying that there would be greater support in the Oireachtas, even though members of the Independent Alliance have already said that they'd be supporting Michael well, T. Higgins. Well, just remember that I suppose Jared Crockwell was a member of the Independent Alliance, left it and then joined the Rural Alliance and left it. And so he wouldn't be extremely popular within those circles. So that's ruling out the likes of Michael Healy-Ray, Danny Healy-Ray, Matthew McGrath, Michael Lowry, John Halligan, Sean Canny, Kevin Boxer-Morn, 
So, you know, it's just it's 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 taken a swell of independence off the table for Jared Crockwell. So and I what about at the, when we're this far out from from presidential elections, there's always talk of celebrity candidates as well. And Miriam O'Callaghan's name has been bandied around on and off. Is it always off, is. Off, it was it was the, the last time it was the last time as well. But I was going to say, I think the attitude of Sinn Féin uh, will be crucial because I think there will probably be an independent candidate and possibly more than uh, more than one through either the Oireachtas or the local authority route, simply because those groups of politicians have that that power and politicians tend to try to utilise the powers that they have in these circumstances, particularly when it comes to elections and nominations and such things. So if you accept that there is going to be one or two or more independent candidates, then the question for Sinn Féin is, do they stand behind Michael D or do they run uh, do they run a candidate wishing to take advantage of an electoral contest to promote themselves, their brand, their new brand or their evolved brand under uh, Mary Lou MacDonald? And that certainly um, has been the Sinn Féin model in the past. If Sinn Féin get in, I think it's difficult for Fianna Fáil to stay out. For the reason Sarah has described, yeah. And if Fianna Fáil get in, then Fianna Gael probably So in your in. in your... Um uh, email digest this morning. In fact, you, you draw the parallel of uh, August 1914 in uh, across Europe when the it's the, the obvious when, parallel when, really when, when, when the when the train started started rolling towards towards uh, towards the border. Yeah. The, so who is Gavrilo Princip who wields the revolver <laughs> on the streets of Sarajevo in that metaphor? Then, well, I think. I think more uh, more to the point that uh, the First World War was uh, something that the great powers didn't necessarily want. Uh, but were dragged into it sure. uh, by uh, by the sort of momentum that. Um, but there that the is guns a kind of house of cards element to that metaphor. Yeah. So somebody needs to tip the first card. So is that the, Sinn Fein or is it an independent? I think it's the independent. So I think it's a real test for Sinn Fein because I think you know they want to be seen, I suppose, as as the same as the others in a way, but they also want to be seen as different. So if Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael suggest or indicate that they would support Michael D, I think it'll be difficult for Sinn Féin not to support Michael D. I think one of the things that Sinn Féin have been pushing for is this vote for the diaspora and everyone has believed that that is to... Um, allow for a successful presidential election for Sinn Féin. That's not in place yet. There's, so there's, there's a green beer vote for Sinn Féin that they think would come in. Ex- yeah. Exactly, yeah. So my indica- my belief is that they would probably opt out of this one, but in seven years' time or wherever it may be the next uh, presidential election that they would be feeling that they probably have a better chance of a successful presidential campaign than this time round. Um, I think for Fine Gael, Pat was saying, you know, that there could be a, it could be a, a game of a domino effect here where you know one person answers the race blah blah I think for Fine Gael they don't want a presidential election they don't want to spend the money on what they know will likely be an unsuccessful presidential election uh, we only have to look at the 2011 presidential election with Gay Mitchell's um, campaign to show how poor Fine Gael are at uh, contesting presidential elections so I think it's within their interests not within Fine Gael's interest. But they not could be quite to. happy, couldn't they, to have to support a Michael D candidacy along with the Labour Party and probably some, possibly some of the other small parties, it's Social Democrats and the Greens and who knows. That would actually put them in a, in a not bad position. It, it would put them in a very favourable position because all of the polls would indicate that there is a strong um, appetite for Michael D to have a second run at the Oris. And so it might just be easier for Fine Gael to 
tobacco winning horse as they see it. Difficult for them to stay out though if everybody else is in. That's the nature of electoral competition and Michael D is certainly very strong in the polls, uh, unusually um, uh, strong in the polls and also um, his approval ratings are high and also people who say they want to see him serve a second term, indeed many of them say they want to see him serve a second term without a contest. But against that the history of presidential polling is that incumbents are always popular. Uh, the last two presidents were similarly popular during their, their time in office. That dynamic will change if and when a contest uh, begins to take place. When's the last time we had a contest with an incumbent running? I think you have to go back to the 1960s, do you? And Dev? Well, you're by some distance the oldest here, so... You know, I'm not quite us. that old to have actually been actively involved in that, but I think it might be something around the, mid, uh, the mid-60s with Dev against uh, Tom O'Higgins. Tom O'Higgins. Uh, and, and a very tight contest in the end of the day. Indeed it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so draw what lessons you will from that. Well, I, I, I'm kind of intrigued. It's, it seems to me that there's a touch of, and I'm, pardon your presence here, but of nobody knows what the hell's going to happen here, really. I mean, on the one hand, there's the possibility of a presidential contest with Mark Daly and Jared Crockwell challenging Michael <laughs> you, D. Higgins. You could possibly say that of all And on the other podcasts. hand, there's a slightly more, more well, indeed, there's a slightly more colourful prospect of Michael McDowell and Eamon O'Creeve, you know, um, they're, they're two, two quite different. Uh, I think, to be honest, most political yeah. parties haven't even began the process of looking at this particular issue because at the back of all of their minds is the possibility that a general election is not so far away and so presidential election hasn't really come into it. And I think Fiek's story this morning will either startle some people or it put other people's mind at ease. So, like, to be frank, we haven't a clue as to what the polit- political party's preferences are on this particular issue because I don't think it's been... They don't know themselves, yeah. I think. And then, and then speaking of that and the kind of perhaps the ratcheting up of tensions towards a potential general election, the issue, Pat, this week of the selling off of bad loans uh, by Irish banks to vulture funds or whatever you're calling them and Fianna Fáil's resistance to that. Um, what are Fianna Fáil at there? Is this part of Fianna Fáil's need to be more aggressive and I think that's differentiated? Part of it. Itself yeah, more? I think that's part of it. I think Fianna Fáil wanted a row on this. It's a good issue to have a row on but the government seems disinclined to give them uh, a row on it. So um, Fianna Fáil launched its private members bill on the subject yesterday and uh, the Taoiseach um, who has been, you know, quite abrasive towards Fianna Fáil and towards Micheál Martin in particular in the chamber over recent weeks was falling over himself to praise Fianna Fáil for their work on this issue and to praise Michael McGrath the finance spokesman by name for his uh, for his work on the issue and was he was also at pains to point out that the government will work with uh, Fianna Fáil on this to produce uh, to produce a bill or to to support the Fianna Fáil bill so this um, is for regulation of financial institutions who who have for example who hold mortgages with, with with people in Ireland but this legislation was proposed years ago and Fianna Fáil didn't support it at that point didn't they or some version of similar legislation yeah it was legislation in I think 2015 2015 mm. um, yeah. uh, Fine Gael and Labour voted against it they and voted Fianna Fáil down. actually weren't present for the vote mm. so um, to be honest I think it's an easy one for Fianna Fáil in a way because they know that this is I suppose uh, 
it's more what it's more the prospect of the loan book being sold to these um, alleged vulture funds and the aggressive nature that people associate with vulture funds. So, um, you know, I know we've had lengthy conversations about this before, but they do say that vulture funds are actually more likely to work with the borrower to do a deal than than the banks are because the criticism of the Irish banks is they've just been frozen and for and for a variety of reasons have been able to unable to do anything so these zombie loans haven't been addressed for 10 years now, yeah and you know? an, a, a, a significant portion of the loan book that will be sold by permanent TSB and, and potentially AIB um, this comes down to borrowers who haven't engaged with the financial institutions up to a certain point. Now, we don't know the size of that in terms of um, the loan book, but I'm sure there is a sizable portion of that. Uh, and however, any action that they take will still be subject to the Irish courts. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I, I was listening to, uh, I think it was David Hall yesterday, who was saying, you know, that... Um, Actually, the Irish courts are the people that have prevented uh, the Irish courts. The system that has prevented large numbers of repossessions from taking uh, from taking place, rather than the government. So I think it's more it's more the the fear that is associated with the uh, vulture funds and the alleged aggressive nature that they are to, that they take with borrowers, and then the fear that that could potentially um, result in repossessions. I but think that there, strikes isn't a there an element here, Pat, of, and I got to use a uh, economic technical term here of just pure bullshit, which is that actually um, the fact is that uh, there's been this scare stories in the media on and off for the last several years about a wave of repossessions about to sweep across the country, and it hasn't happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Nor in fact, there, quite nor, the contrary. Nor is there any prospect of it happening? But that doesn't mm. mean that the you know the stress and the difficulty for people who are in the sure, situation of, of arrears yeah. and are informed that their loan has been sold to uh, to a foreign and largely faceless company. At least if their lo- their loan is held by an Irish bank, there's a high street you know branch of that. It has a you know a, a more flesh and blood. Uh, presence that uh, that people feel they can um, you know people feel they can deal with even if all, as you which say which is all rubbish frankly they're you know they're financial institutions their branches yeah, but are barely just, there yeah but people anyway, still feel it know? all the same yeah. but people still feel it all the same I suppose you have your local bank manager as well to go in and you know they, they think that I suppose the financial institution would adopt a more humane approach because you're dealing with a person rather than a faceless vulture fund have you and had any dealings with banks in the last 10 years no I mean, that's thankfully just, that's, just, that's just not the case you know any, but anyway it, my, it just seems my bank I have to say are very uh, accommodating and I'd like to give them a shout out <laughs> here and <laughs> yeah do you want to name them as well yeah in this particular new media product um anyway, listen one other thing I, I, I want to touch on because there's this intriguing Never. There's this intriguing case um, um, starting today, Pat. I mean, you have an explainer. You've been writing an explainer about it. It does it have any prospect of impinging upon the impending referendum? On, oh, it very much does in a couple of different ways. Could you explain what it's about? Um, the case is uh, an appeal, appeal taken by the state after it lost a uh, high court case uh, last last year. The high court case was uh, leave to. Uh, seek judicial review it was a Nigerian man who uh, had lost his case for um, uh, for asylum here 
Uh, he was taking a, seeking a judicial review of a deportation order against him and he claimed uh, that because his Irish partner was pregnant uh, at the time that this should be considered by the Minister for Justice uh, before he signed any deportation order. And the state lost that case. Now that was simply leave to challenge the decision by uh, by the, uh, the Nigerian man. The state lost that case and in his judgment, uh, Mr. Justice Humphreys of the High Court said that the unborn, the Nigerian man's unborn child, which of course had been long since born by the time that case came to uh, uh, came to be resolved, but that the unborn child of the Nigerian man had rights at law beyond simply the right to life as guaranteed in the Eighth Amendment or Article 43.3 of the Constitution uh, as it is, so that there were rights elsewhere in the Constitution and particularly there were rights under the Children's Rights uh, uh, Amendment which was passed uh, a number of years ago as well. So uh, this opens up the... Were that judgment to stand, it opens up the possibility that simply repealing the Eighth Amendment or changing the Eighth Amendment as the government's proposed referendum intends to do might not be enough to establish a right to abortion under Irish law. Except the government proposes to do more than that. It also proposes to establish the right of the Oireachtas to legislate for abortion. Yes, it does. But but there is a legal question as to whether that whether those rights, the Oireachtas' rights to legislate for abortion could be trumped by the constitutional rights of the unborn as that the, the High Court found were resident in other parts of the Constitution. And that's why the government hasn't finalised its wording on the referendum because it needs to see what the outcome of this case is. Now, most lawyers or practically all lawyers that you speak to expect that case because it made new law. The the uh, the High Court judgment made new law in uh, in, in in this aspect of uh, of Irish law, um, and most lawyers expect that the Supreme Court will overturn that um, will overturn the judgment. But it is the detail of whatever Supreme Court judgment eventually arrives that may impinge on uh, I mean, on I the referendum, the, and the, also the, just sorry, on, uh, another point, just the the. Uh, the case may upset the timing of the referendum. The government says that it wants to finalise its referendum and launch a referendum bill by the 6th of March. That's a little over two weeks away. Now, this case has been granted an accelerated hearing in the Supreme Court, so, but that is still a so very judges tight timescale. So the judges are taking account of this of this political agenda which is taking place in terms of fast-tracking this Yes, this they case. are, but even having done so, two weeks is a very tight timescale for a judgment of this nature. And remember, seven judges of the Supreme Court are sitting. It's the first time that the rights of the unborn will be considered by uh, uh, in, in, in such a fashion by the Supreme Court. And uh, it's, you know, it's a very big case, and, uh, and there, there seems to be, um, and Sarah, feel free to come in on this, please. There, there, there seems to be a general view, as, you, as you've said, in the legal establishment or among lawyers, that this, this, this is very likely to be overturned. But there is a kind of, there is a logical argument here, isn't there? That there were laws in place and there was an understanding in place that, um, that, that the unborn had certain rights before the 1983 referendum, so that those do exist separate 
separate from the 1983 referendum well, I think or the Eighth Amendment. When the Taoiseach had the post-Cabinet meeting in the middle of January, he said that the um, there'd be a number of other clauses in the Constitution that would have to be amended or looked at because there are other rights for the unborn within the Constitution. Um, <coughs> the, court, the court case the Supreme Court case that's been heard today was supposed to, according to Mary Carlin, will last for two days and be held by the um, seven, will be heard by the seven, uh, the seven judges. And I think there is some concern within government that they are, you know, I mean, everybody that you speak to suggests that it will be overturned, but mm-hmm. I suppose you just can't be certain. And uh, as Pat said, that is the reason that they haven't had a finalised draft. I mean, we've known the wording of the question since mid-January. Um, they considered at a cabinet meeting yesterday the draft wording of the the bill, and they really are just now everything's just on pause essentially until the Supreme Court judgment um, comes in. What could potentially happen is what happened in the X case, where the Supreme Court made its decision known without a written judgment to allow for, I suppose, for everything to move on, political and then they deliver their written judgment. But, but the, writ- the written judgment would be more important in this respect because it is the reasoning of the Supreme Courts, and does it, you know, with the question of whether it locates or what it says about Fair those rights elsewhere? Of the overall constitutional exactly, exactly. Situation. I mean, I think in yeah. the in the. Um, uh, the example of the X case that was because there was a pregnancy ticking, if you like, um, in in that case, which is what which was the urgency uh, of that. Now it may be it may be the case that uh, the Supreme Court settles this one uh, quite quickly, but it may not, and it may delay. Uh, even if, from the government's point of view, legally everything goes as they hope it does, it may not go on the timetable uh, that they expect. And there is the prospect that what may have to be done after this case is a different amendment to the Constitution which would explicitly recognise the right to an abortion in the Irish Constitution. And uh, and that would require... No, 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 that would require a different wording, the same referendum, but a different wording. And then a last question on this, sir. Is there any nervousness among the pro-repeal elements of of the political classes about the polls which we've seen over the last week or so, which show a a much tighter margin in relation to the 12 weeks proposal? Um, Yes, I think so. I think actually um, there has been, I suppose an absence of commentary on the issue of abortion um, for a number of weeks, obviously, as the other political matters take precedence. Um, But because of that lapse, I suppose, in commentary and that lapse uh, of uh, focus on this particular issue has meant that those opposed to the uh, um, any change to the Eighth Amendment, their campaign has allowed been allowed to take effect. And um, the reality is, is that the from the political establishment's point of view, that they don't have a coherent, functioning, um, pro-repeal campaign as of now. The government, whilst the cabinet um, are in agreement that the Eighth Amendment should be repealed from the constitution, they don't, don't have any clear campaign as to how they will argue for that in a referendum campaign. Um, Similarly, this happened in the same-sex marriage referendum, but I think that from party political uh, points of view, there was some work being uh, being undertaken. That isn't the case um, because obviously Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have votes of conscience. There isn't a coherent party position on how, this. How's that going to work then as it pans out over the next 
Well, my understanding is um, the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, will address it at a Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting tonight and ask for uh, those who have a similar viewpoint to him to that they form some sort of a group within the parliamentary party to uh, to come up with some sort of a campaign. Because as of now, I mean, it's really up to an individual politician as to how they choose to campaign. Um, you know, Simon Harris, Minister for Health, has, has said quite clearly that he is in favour of allowing for terminations up to 12 weeks and in favour of repeal the 8th. Um, but he has had to work with uh, campaigning groups like um, the Coalition to Repeal the Eighth and the Women's Council of Ireland to, I suppose, conform a consensus on this particular issue because politicians I suppose, just are, have taken the foot off the pedal and that has meant that those who are um, in favour of retaining the status quo have had... Um, have had That's suppose, a free, free, free playing field free for reign. themselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is going to go on and on and on anyway over the next few weeks and months. We should leave it there. But just to say, um, Pat and Sarah won't be joining us, but uh, Fia Kelly and Harry McGee will be with us at a special live podcast, which is taking place later this week and it should be showing up in your podcast feeds on Friday. So you enjoy your day off and we'll keep working. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to Pat and Sarah for joining us. Thanks to our producer Declan Conlon and our engineer JJ Vernon. And remember you can subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider may be. And you can also find us at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. Your views are always very welcome. And you can get me on email at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or you can always find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.